The views and opinions of shows on KCNR are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only, and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of KCNR Radio. This is a pre-recorded broadcast of Therapy in a Nutshell. Good morning, everyone. This is Dr. Patricia Bay, and you are listening to Therapy in a Nutshell. So I'm here with a couple of very special guests, and we're going to do an awesome show this morning. Right now, you're listening to the music by Tara Bay Bedford called We Can't Do This Forever. And what a great song for the topic we've got today. So I'd like to introduce my two guests and tell you what we're going to talk about. These two women are extremely important to me, and I'll, I'll explain to you why. Many of my listeners know that my husband, Richard, died of a terminal brain disease called behavioral variant frontal temporal degeneration. And there was a Facebook website, Facebook page, that was for caregiver support for people whose spouses had FTD. And in the beginning, there were about 39 of us from around the world. I think we were all women. There might have been one man there. But we were extremely supportive of each other. When you were having a bad night, it was 3 in the morning, you could get on your Facebook page and somebody would be there. We could whine to each other. We could be real. We could talk about the stresses of caregiving. And that's where I met these two women, Connie Spooner and Lillian Diebel. And we became fast friends without ever having meeting anybody. And i got to tell you the funny part. I think we'd been talking for about a year, and we started talking about where we all lived. And Connie says she lives in this town that is right by my town. And I went, oh, my gosh, this woman lives right near me. So then we started getting together as friends because we lived like 15 minutes away from each other, and we didn't even know it for a long time. Lillian lives way back on the East Coast. Connie and I are here on the West Coast. So Lillian is remotely calling into our show today, and Connie is sitting right here in front of me. And we're going to talk to all of you about caregiving somebody with a terminal illness. So I want to give just a brief background of each of these wonderful women. Connie was married to Dana, her husband, for 22 years. And he started getting sick in about 2008, started showing symptoms of behavioral variant. Or he didn't have BVFTD. He had aphasic type. Yeah, he had frontal temporal degeneration, but it hit him in a different part. He started having speech problems. But he didn't get diagnosed until about 2013. And then Dana died in 2017. Lillian and Steve knew each other from the time Lillian was 14 and Steve was 19, but they didn't get romantically together until about 10 years later. Lillian's smiling. I can just hear her. (laughs) And they got married in 1982. Steve started showing very early signs of frontal temporal degeneration in the 1990s. He was diagnosed in 2007, and he died in 2015. Rich and I got married in 1980. We were together a total of 39 years. And he started showing some early symptoms of behavioral problems in about 1999. And then he didn't start getting really sick with FTD until about 2007. And then we chased a diagnosis until 2012, and he died in 2016. So all three of us, Lillian, Connie, and myself, have had over 10 years of caregiving to some pretty desperate times with a terminal brain disease. So I want to take just a minute to let each woman say hi to you and tell you a little bit about what it was like caregiving for them. So Connie, can what was it like caregiving Dana? Um, it was difficult because I think the hardest part was watching somebody you love go away. 
because with this type of uh, disease, um, he couldn't talk the last four years of his life. We did not have any conversations at all. He couldn't understand. He couldn't respond verbally. And at the end, he didn't understand anything I was saying to him. So that was that was very difficult. And then the other thing I think that was the hardest part is so many of our friends and family just didn't know how to deal and couldn't deal with the disease. And so they just all went away. So a lot of days I felt like I was on an island and yeah. wasn't able to get off. And we're going to actually spend one of our whole segments talking about how much you lose, and it isn't just the person. And there's a lot, and we're going to go into that because it's one of the hardest parts for caregivers, that you end up losing far more than your loved one. So, Lil, talk to us a little bit about what it was like for you. Just give us some introductory stuff from your perspective. Uh, well, first of all, um, my husband did not believe that he was sick. He didn't. He did not feel that there was anything wrong, and so we created a lot of tension between us because clearly things were wrong. We were seeing the physician, and he had been, uh, he had been diagnosed. Um, that was really Im- impossible for me. Um, I cared for other members of my family that had uh, an illness like cancer, and my mom, my dad, and my aunt were all happy to have me. Steve did not feel happy to have me caregiving for him because he didn't think he needed it. So that created a lot of tension, um, especially we had young children, and uh, he would tell them mommy was wrong and mommy was the one that needed help, not him. So in, I thought I knew how to be a caregiver because I had cared for those other family members. But this was a whole different thing. Uh, as Connie said, seeing my husband, who I've known since I was 14 years old, uh, seeing him change and his, his personality change and not feeling like I knew what he was thinking because I, I no longer did. That's, that's very understandable. That I think one of the things about frontal temporal degeneration is they lose who they are and we lose them, as Rich used to say, one brain cell at a time. And so they're very slowly going downhill, and it isn't even a, a gentle, easy decline. It's more like a roller coaster. Some days were horrible. In fact, in the beginning when Rich was sick, we'd have maybe a week of him being, like, normal, and then we'd have two or three or four weeks of just hell. And then as, the, as time went on, we had very fewer and fewer days of anything that was good. In fact, I remember... The weirdest time was from January 1st to January 16th, 2014. For some reason, it was like Rich was home. We were trying a new medication. In fact, um, we tried him on a tincture of marijuana, and Mm -hmm. it helped him for 16 days. It took about a week, and I went, whoa, Rich is home. This is amazing. And on the 16th day, it was like somebody flipped a switch, and Rich was gone again. And that was the last time I ever saw him be totally normal. So we spent the next two years just and horridness right. and just trying to survive. But it's a, it's a nasty disease, and it isn't the same as caregiving somebody who has cancer or who is bedridden or can't uh, argue with you. Or, and I often right. said, I even told, told my son that cancer would have been a gift because at least we could have treated it and we would have had some kind of normalcy in between all the chaos. Yes, or even had a more predictable end in sight. Correct. Um, As you can see for all three of us, we all lived with FTD for uh, over 10 years. Correct. 
and it's, it's just a slow, insidious decline. And it, the, the hardest part is it robs caregivers of their life as well. You know, can you dig deep and do the laundry and do the cooking and you start to lose your partner? You, you know, I mean, just he cleaned out the rain gutters. He didn't clean out the rain gutters anymore. He didn't do anything anymore. He didn't take out the trash anymore. So you start to begin to do absolutely everything yourself. And that isn't even the hardest part. No. Oh, that was the easy part, right? Yeah, but it, it gets oppressive. I, th- I think one of the hardest yeah. parts for me is Rich would wake up sometimes agitated. In fact, I'd be so worried if the dog barked or something happened that woke him up. It was remember the days when it was don't wake up the baby. It was oh don't right. wake don't wake up the FTD guy because then he'd agitate right. the rest of the night. And the guilt sets in because like for Dane, I can remember he'd go to bed at seven or seven thirty, and I would just be waiting for the clock to get there so that he could go to sleep so that I could rest and not have to worry oh. about what was going to come next. Yeah, yeah, I just have some peace and quiet for a little bit. Yeah, but the, his agitation was one of the hardest parts. Um, we're going to take a break in a moment, and when we come back, I. I really want to address this subject that caregivers go through that is so horrendous, and it was for all three of us. You end up losing people that you never expect to lose, you, okay. people that you think, oh, you know, I've got this person and that person. I have my family. I have my siblings. I have whatever, and I'm not going to lose anybody. In the midst of all this, Connie's daughter died, her daughter who was one of the closest people to her heart. So she lost her daughter from a terrible car accident in the middle of all this, and had to deal with that on top of dealing with FTD. So when we come back, we're going to talk about the losses that happen to caregivers and and just hope to give you guys some inspiration on how you can survive that. So we'll go to break right now, and we'll come back soon. February 22, 1982, Joe Martino opened Orchard Nutrition Center with a simple philosophy to be able to have the choices available for a completely healthy lifestyle. And to this day, Joe and the entire Orchard Nutrition Center family have kept that promise for 37 years. Orchard Nutrition Center in the Cypress Square Shopping Center, Reading. Hi, I'm Dr. Kara Tennant with Care Animal Hospital, and I'm inviting you to join me on the Carl and Linda Morning Show. We will be discussing all of Reading's local pet needs and how to keep your pet happy, healthy, and safe. Care Animal Hospital is a local veterinary clinic located on the corner of Hilltop Drive and Lake Boulevard. Make sure your best friend has the best possible care today. Join Dr. Kara Tennant the third Friday of each month in the 8 a.m. hour here on locally owned KCNR. The average adult has issued 32 troopers that with proper care and just a little discipline should serve you well during your entire tour of duty on this planet. They're called your teeth. But when your platoon gets out of line, holes in the formation, or other problems, you need to call in an expert like General, uh, Dr. William Farrell. With decades of experience keeping those troops in line and executing their assigned duties properly and dependably. If you'd rather not be there while he reestablishes order amongst the troops, Dr. Farrell offers sedation dentistry. He and his highly trained staff will whip your troops into shape without any discomforts. And having served himself in both the Navy and the Marine Corps, Dr. Farrell offers special consideration to veterans. Let him take the best care of your platoon of teeth, and they will serve you always. Call 547-5757 or visit palosidrodentistry.com. 
at ease. And for a limited time, Dr. Farrell is offering x-ray, exam, and cleaning for just $175. Call 547-5757 to schedule your visit. This is Tracy Edwards. Join the Reading Rancheria for its 2019 Black and White Year to Remember. Saturday, March 2nd at the Wind River Resort and Casino Event Center. Tickets include dinner, awards presentations, and silent auction. Celebrate the 51 organizations who we were able to help in 2018. One organization receiving an additional gift of $10,000. All proceeds from this event benefit the Reading Rancheria Community Fund. So come experience the Reading Rancheria Black and White Year to Remember. Saturday, March 2nd at the Wind River Resort and Casino Event Center. Call Maria Orozco at 242-4516 for info or tickets. Welcome back. This is Dr. Patricia Bay, and you are listening to Therapy in a Nutshell. You're also listening to the beautiful music of Native American flutist Randy McGinnis. So I'm here with two very special women in my life, Connie Spooner and Lillian Diebel, both of whom have, were caregivers for their husbands before they passed away from frontal temporal degeneration. And all three of us are talking about our more than 10 years each of caregiving experience of a terminal brain disease. So before we went on break, I wanted to, I wanted us to come back and talk about how amazing it is that caregivers tend to lose very important people, uh, and not just the person who's ill. It is, was profound to all of us when we would share on our uh, Facebook support site the people that would disappear. Um, so many people talked about uh, the. the the LO is what we call them, the loved one, the loved one who is ill, their sibling would say, it's not real. You're making it up. You're exaggerating. This isn't really happening. Because one of the phenomenons of FTD that was so um, intriguing and funny now, but not then, was they could pull it together for a while. So like a sibling would come visit and they'd look blessedly normal for a couple of days if we were lucky and the siblings would leave going well you said he was far worse than that and you're exaggerating and you're lying and we go uh no in fact in our house we had this thing i called the three-day phenomenon it took about three days for anybody to see the real ftd and they'd usually end up on the back porch sobbing going how do you do this because then they'd see the real roller coaster that we rode. So each of you lost people in your lives, too. I mean, I lost um, my sister, Mom Bowed Out. She, it was just too much for her to deal with Rich's terminal illness and our elderly mom, and she found a reason to get really pissed off at me and disappeared and left me with all of it. And didn't he died, and she didn't even call and say, I'm sorry, which crushed me. It just crushed me. But who did you lose, Connie? What happened with you? Basically, his whole family. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had um, three brothers, a sister, and two daughters. One had Down syndrome, so she wasn't able to help. But it was just amazing how many people stepped back. One brother we never heard from once he got diagnosed. Um, the other brother uh, did come. If I called and needed someone, he had one brother who would come and stay overnight for me, and he did that twice so I could get away. The other brother came one time and said, um, gosh, I just can't stand to see him like this, so I'm, I'm not coming back. Um, the other daughter, she didn't want to come around because she was afraid of what he would do. She had heard these awful things about you know, his behavior, which really wasn't too bad, but she was concerned. And the other concern she had was, I'm afraid I'm going to get it, like it was a disease that you could catch like measles. So I had some very, very, very hard 
um, feelings for, and I had to work th- through that because I was very bitter because I needed the help. And you feel very abandoned when that Absolutely. happens. Absolutely, yeah. very abandoned. Yeah. So, who did you lose, Lil? Well, the the two people that I that I most depend or thought I most depended on, besides my young children, were my brother and my best friend. And I would I I did not vent. My feeling is to too many people. I have respect for my husband. I have respect for um, his feelings, and I didn't want everyone knowing everything that was going on. But I did tell them, and uh, they decided that I was making this up. That it was uh, I was apparent uh, that I was trying to get attention, and then he didn't. He wasn't really sick, but he didn't have this. He was also diabetic, so uh, several people in the family thought that his symptoms had more to do with the diabetes, and, and it, it did not. Um, it came to the point where um, they turned on me. Um, my brother actually called me and told me I was if they had all thought that I was the worst person they'd ever known. And up until that time, I was a great, wonderful, fun aunt and sister, and suddenly I wasn't. Um, I, it still boggles my mind. I I thought he was kidding when he said that. He basically accused me of having Munchausen's, uh, making it up for attention, mm-hmm. and that wasn't true at all. Um, my therapist, who I helped me through this at that time, said that it was just a way he didn't want to help. Nobody wanted to believe he was sick, and they didn't want to help, so they made me the bad guy. And they just totally turned on my family, which not only you can probably hear in my voice, not only still upsets me, hurts me, but it hurt my children and it, it hurt Stephen. They, uh, in 2013, they just stopped seeing us and made terrible accusations and we, we still haven't seen them and I don't think we will. It's hard for me to believe we were, we were best friends. We were close. Um, somehow my brother and my friend, I said to them, eventually they cooked something up, and that's exactly what happened. It's hard to believe the people that you love and that you've loved your whole life and that you've helped would do that. And I still I still can't see it. And even um, when he died, I mean, what did they, I guess they think he died of diabetes. And um, to be perfectly honest, I'm glad that we moved him from our home into the hospice uh, facility the last few days of his life because they may have accused me of killing him. It was so, that sounds outrageous and outlandish, but that's how it went. It isn't, uh, it isn't outrageous. That, you know, what's interesting is all of us on the, F- uh, the Facebook FTD support group, this is a common story. This isn't just the three of us. And it was such a shock to all of us as caregivers because the picture you want to have is that your friends and your family rally around you and support you and show up for you. And what I've learned over this is that some people run too and some people run away. Mm-hmm. And it isn't so much about whether they love us or not. It's whether they can handle all this adversity or not. We had a couple people that ran too and helped a lot, but then after mm-hmm. he died – turned on us and, and said horrible things that, that 
I mean, Rich would have been absolutely furious. It was very harmful to me and my kids. And it was just, it was the people that left are astounding to me. Our nieces, we have five nieces that they were like our own babies. We just adore them. Mm -hmm. And four out of the five of them disappeared. And an hour before he died, he was crying about it. And I said, do you want to call them and say goodbye? And he said, no, they don't love me anymore. And that's the sad thing is like for Dana, he knew that people were walking away and it was not only hurtful, but then that made it even, I was more angry because he was not only dealing with the disease, but now he was dealing with the abandonment of the people that he loved mm -hmm. that was part of his family. Yeah. My son was amazing. Um, he was the one that was there for Dana and, mm -hmm. and helped take care of him, my, my son and his, his wife and the two kids, my two right. grandkids. Yeah. They were very supportive. They of were. And that was beautiful. It was. My, my sister-in-law, Rich's sister, um, was a continual support for me. Right. And just and my brother um, would say whatever you need and he'd show up and it was mm -hmm. it was kinda neat. And so we want to really honor the people that ran too. Correct. And yeah. there are those it's just how astounding the ones you don't expect can leave. And so one of the pieces of advice I think we're trying to give other caregivers out there is when that happens, don't be shocked. You can't make them come to you. You can build up a ton of resentment and anger, and you can feel horribly mm -hmm. abandoned, and it's grief-striking. I mean, to this day, I sob about my sister leaving, and yeah. it, it it breaks my heart. It smashes my heart, and so those things will happen, and we have to just accept it and realize that not everybody can do this. It makes your journey harder. It makes your journey harder. That's a really good way to put it, Connie. It's, it's it's one thing, I think, for them to turn away, but for them to pile on more problems it is just horrific. Yeah. And that, that happens. That happened to us, and I know others in the group that it happened to. It's just it, you need help, and you, you certainly, or at least you need to be left alone without having any more cruelty thrown at you. Yes. And it, it's amazing to me that it just it, it you know I will always be amazed by how that how that has happened to so many of us my advice would be just step away yeah you have to let go yeah. cuz you can't make them help and mm -hmm. the more angry and upset you get the more it saps your energy and, and as caregivers you're you're running on empty a lot anyway well and the caregiver knows you're upset so that affects them too yeah the person so, you're caring for exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Rich, Rich would get very upset by some of this. But I have a, a beautiful memory of I was really, really upset about my sister one night, and Rich showed up. I mean, I was the one sobbing on the closet floor. Usually it was him. And he sat down on the closet floor with me and just held me. And he said, you can't make somebody love you. That's right. And it was this beautiful moment where he, that's the last time I remember him truly being there for me. And it, I cherish that moment in a, and it was in a horrible moment <laughs> i think it's a god wink it is it's a god wink that's a really cute way to it put that. i like that a lot but you know one of the things i, I want to when i want to talk about in our next segment is a lot of people say to caregivers oh let me know if you need anything in fact i got so tired of hearing that let me know if you need anything or what can i do to help and and almost every caregiver i know never calls and says this would help but what I want each of you to be thinking about is two or three things that actually are something that you can say to that question, something that would help you. I've got a couple things that I finally started saying to people that this would help. And let's, let's give people out there that know a caregiver 
how you can help, and let's give the caregivers out there, how do you answer that question? So we're going to be thinking about that. We have another minute or so before we have to go to break. But it's, it's so interesting because caregiving is hugely overwhelming, hugely. It is all-encompassing. You're not only losing your loved one and then you're losing the people that drop out of sight, but you're also losing pieces of yourself. I stopped going anywhere with friends. I stopped accepting invitations. I couldn't even tell you I could meet you for coffee because I couldn't tell you I could show up. It was hard enough to go to work, and I had to triple my caseload because we lost his income. And he'd call me all day long and text me all day long, and I'd talk to him between clients, and it was, it was stressful. So right. how did, did you lose any pieces of you? Connie oh, yeah, William? same thing. We got, I got to where I just withdrew from everything. Um, church friends, any of my volunteer, you know, commitments, I just, you couldn't do it because I spent more time canceling than I did going. Yes, and making people mad. Well, yeah, sometimes a lot of people understood, but it was still hard because when I commit, I don't want to have to renege. And so I just saved myself the embarrassment by not committing. Exactly, exactly. Lil, you got about 10 seconds. Is there something you can think of that... Uh, yeah, any, I mean, the things that I would ask for is help maybe while I was at work, uh, taking him to an appointment or um, just keeping him entertained or uh, bringing over a meal so that when I got off at the end of the day, you know, I didn't have to cook. But it's hard to ask. I, yeah, I, and we, we need to, to go to break real quick. But I, when we come back, I want okay. you to remember those things because we're going to go over them, okay? okay. So we're going to go mm-hmm. to break, and we will be back again in just a couple minutes. Join Aaron Ryan and Bill Cundiff for We the People Radio every Sunday from noon to 2. Our interviews on them give you the whole story rather than the mainstream media sound bites. Here on KCNR 1460 AM, we've got the experts on politics, environmental craziness, veterans affairs, property rights, Agenda 21, foreign affairs, and everything in between. The archives are always available online at wethepeopleradio.us. It's the most fun you can have while talking about them. Join Aaron and Bill this Sunday at noon for We the People. You'll hear great authors and commentators, professors and scientists, activists and military experts, researchers and whistleblowers, all spending time to inform us about their areas of expertise. We the People, brought to you by Team Power of Shasta Lake, your local Kubota and John Deere dealer. Call them at 530-226-9226. We the People on AM 1460 KCNR. Hi, I'm Sharon Clark of Home Helpers. It's amazing to look back at all the families we've touched since 2004 but our clients say it best. I want to express my deep appreciation for the love and support you and your... So fortunate to have an organization like Home Helpers. You never know how much your contribution meant or how greatly you touched our lives. Thank you so much for helping me care for my husband. After hearing what it's meant to them, I truly can't imagine doing anything else. When you need help for your loved one, choose Home Helpers. There is no place like home. Powerhouse Solar, a SunPower Elite dealer, announces their new design showroom at 4616 Caterpillar Road. Now with Powerhouse Solar's new design showroom, you can view your property and see your solar design on the spot. So you can see what best works for you. Maybe it's a trellis-mounted system, pole-mounted systems, or roof mount. See all the options in Powerhouse Solar's design showroom at 4616 Caterpillar Road. For information, go to powerhousesolar.com or call 275-5600. Powerhouse Solar, a SunPower Elite dealer.
Welcome back to Dr. Patricia Bay and Therapy in a Nutshell. And I am here with Connie Spooner and Lillian Diebel, both two very important women in my life who dealt with frontal temporal degeneration with their husbands and did over 10 years of caregiving each, as did I. So we are talking right now about what it is to be a caregiver. And the section we want to do right now is people hit you up when you're a caregiver about let me know if you need any help or call me if you need anything, or what can I do to help? And every caregiver I know says, oh, thank you so much. Oh, that's so sweet, and never answers the question or never gives them a call because you're embarrassed, you don't want to be a burden, you can't think of anything, and you actually just want this all to stop. And that's not going to happen, so you just keep digging deep. But the three of us want to give you some ideas of when someone asks you that question or you're trying to help someone out that you know is caregiving someone with a terminal illness, these are some things that are really helpful. So, Connie, let's go, let's go around a circle here and each of us name one. Give us one, Connie. Um, for me, I needed people to come and take Dana out because he was not an inside person. And working and being gone, um, I was afraid he was going to wander off because he had those, uh, you know, tendencies. So I had men that would come and get him and take him for the day and take him out into the woods. He was a logger. Mm-hmm. and take him places. And so for me, that was a lifesaver because I had the food and everything covered, but I needed help with him physically to let him, you know, get rid of some energy. So if you're looking at a caregiver, and here's here's a piece of advice. Don't say to someone like Connie, hey, let me know if I can ever take Dana out for a walk. No, you say, I'd like to take Dana out for a walk Saturday afternoon. Can I come get him at 1 and bring him back about 5? Correct. Then that really, really helps. Because the caregivers won't say to you, oh, that'd be great. Take them Sunday. They say, thanks so much. And then they do nothing. So offer a specific time, offer a specific activity, and know that it would help someone like the situation Connie was in to come and get him for a while. And mean it. Because if I respond and don't make excuses why you can't come get him and you can't help me, yeah. Yeah, show up. (laughs) Okay, Lillian, give us one that would have helped you. Um, Well, as I said before, my children were young and... Uh, when Steve was no longer able to work, I was working long hours at two different jobs, and I had little girls that needed to uh, get taken to ballet lessons and after-school activities. So for me, when someone would call me and say, and I did have a lot of people do this, we'll pick up the girls. We'll take the girls out for dinner, and then we'll bring them home. That was that was angelic to me. And if you think about all of the things that on any given day that we all have to do, all the responsibilities, when you're a caregiver, you just can't get them done. You can't get everything done. So if you if you just in your own mind say, what would help me? And then, then just parlay that over to the person that you're um, concerned about. And just as Patty said, and Connie said, don't just say, I'll do this for you sometime. I had I had a cousin who would say, I'll pick them up on Tuesdays from their ballet and take them. Or someone else would say, I'll pick them up on Saturday and get them to basketball practice. That was a huge help to me because then I could, then I had time to spend with my husband because I was at work so often. That was a, that was a, a gift to me. Okay, that's a really good one. So one of the things I would say, and this is something I try to do for people now, if you're going to give food, which is wonderful because you sure get stuck in ruts of throwing things together, 
Um, like when I make my spaghetti sauce or I make some of the soups that I make, I like to freeze them flat in a Ziploc freezer bag, quart size for to serve two people, a gallon size to serve, you know, three or four. And I'd freeze them flat right on what's on it, like I'll say patties, brown rice and chicken soup, uh, and the date. And if there's any specific instructions that somebody needs to know how. But I'll deliver um, a little pile of those for their freezer. And then they can pull them out on bad days. And if, and if you want to get creative, you can make a really nice basket. You can put the noodles in there and a bottle of wine, things like that. Or you can just deliver them. And that really is helpful because there's something different that you didn't have to make that you can pull out and have a nice meal without a whole lot of effort. And that's a really helpful thing to do for other people and to um, ask for if you need it. So, and the way to do that, here's a good thing. Is there anything I can do to help? Well, there is. Next time you make that really good spaghetti sauce that you make, mm-hmm. would you freeze me a few quart-sized bags flat and just write the date on them? I'd love to have those in my freezer. That would mean so much to me. That's how you ask back. Okay, give us another one, Connie. Uh, another one. Let's see. Well, with FTD, um, getting away. It was so tough because you couldn't leave them alone for a long period of time. And so having somebody offer to come spend the night or take them for a day so I could go do something I wanted to do. Um, I had grandkids I wanted to spend time with, and there was a lot of times Mm -hmm. where I could not pick them up and take them to the show or, you know, go to a family dinner. So just taking them for a few hours or spending the night and letting the caregiver get away and to renew their strength so that, they're more rested and better to take care of. That's an incredible gift. So, again, offering with, hey, I could come and spend the night two Saturdays from now. Would that be helpful to you? Because I can get there at 5 and come, and you can stay all the way till noon the next day. Give parameters. Give a date. Let her plan something. Mm -hmm. It'd be awesome. So give us another one, Lil. Um, I occasionally, I would... uh, Find someone in my yard, uh, mowing the yard, uh, maybe taking maybe taking my car uh, to have the tires rotated. Um, just just as I said, it's those things that you just don't have time for, and that maybe your husband was taking care of before that you never did. It's really amazing. Every I remember looking out the window and seeing a wonderful gentleman and his son taking care of our our weeding and just taking care of our yard. You could go plant uh, flowers would, for someone in the middle of the night, yeah. and they'd wake up in the morning to flowers yeah. in the yard. That'd be beautiful. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's a, and you know what goes along with that is I remember a couple of times I'd go, oh, God, I forgot to put the trash cans out at the street, and I'd mm-hmm. go out and start to do it, and somebody had done it for me, and I don't even know who. One yeah. of my neighbors had come over, gotten the trash cans, and put them out. I had a neighbor who used to go get the trash cans after they were dumped and bring them up to the house so I didn't have to do it again. Yeah. Oh, you know, the little wow, things like it. that are yeah. beautiful because, you know what, that was Rich's job, darn it, and I didn't right. want to do it. Right. Right. Yeah, so I go over and clean up the person's dog poop out of their yard. Who, You know, you don't have time, and there's certain things that go by the wayside, and that's one of them. So there, there's some really cool ideas. And, again, don't just offer. Show up with your shovel in the bag, and they see you out in the backyard picking up the dog poop, and you go, 
Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh-huh. Offering to clean Hi. the house. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. another big one. Oh, I had, a, I had a girlfriend that did something really special. She came over and sat with Rich and stayed, and she bought me an entire spa day. Oh. Thank you, Robin. That was beautiful. Oh. I got to go have a manicure and a pedicure and a facial, and I was there for the whole day going, um, I don't know what to oh. do with myself. I'm rattling around here. <laughs> that was a beautiful gift. And she stayed I'm with him. And she drove me there and came and picked me up. Which was wonderful. That was great. Yeah. I had someone come and take our comforters to the laundromat. You know, the big comforters that you can't yep. get in your own washer and dryer. Yeah. Just showed up with their laundry baskets, took those, washed and dried them, brought them back fluffy and clean. All of those things. I just can't say enough. We run out of time. Caregiving is constant. Yes. It's constant. 24-7. Yes. So anything that anybody does. But, but you're right, Patty. Don't just say, oh, call me. You know, I really mean this. Call me and I'll do this for you. But, no, you, you want to be specific. I remember reading about someone who's um, uh, actually the, one of the family members had died and they had to leave in the morning to go to the funeral. And this a young father showed up the night before, walked in and said, I'm going to clean all the kids' shoes. Because all they had to get on an airplane and go to this funeral. And you know, kids' shoes are usually maybe muddy or dirty. And she said while she was packing, he was diligently sitting in the kitchen washing off all the shoes so that the kids were clean. Isn't that wonderful? You know, you know right, and think about it. Right. These are little things that if you're going to go to help somebody, take you 10 minutes, an hour, uh, five minutes. Um, I had one friend that was a beautiful thing that she did. I'll always remember her for. She would call me every time she came over, and it was on a regular basis, and she'd say, what do you need from the store? And at first she wanted to buy the groceries and not let me pay her, but uh, so I would tell her I needed nothing. But then we worked out this thing. I would tell her exactly what I need, and then I'd write her a check for the exact amount that she spent, and that was so helpful. Just getting away mm-hmm. to get to the store to get milk or coffee or eggs is so hard, so you don't. You don't go. Yeah. And people want to help. They people want to help. They just don't know what to do. So we have to be prepared to give them ideas. And caregivers don't want to ask a lot of times because they don't want to be a burden. Well, we already right. feel dysfunctional. Right. You know, you already right. feel like you're whining and you're tired and you're grumpy right. and you, because you're, we are. <laughs> yes, because you are. And because we felt abandoned by family members and we're hurt uh-huh. and and we've lost our loved one. And, I mean, I don't mean to be too open here, but there's sexual frustration. You've lost your partner. Mm-hmm. You know, you That's don't. Right. nobody holds you anymore. No one kisses you That's anymore. Right. Yeah, and, it, it, you're, you're a full-time caregiver. You're not married anymore. You're, your whole relationship changes. He be, he, the person you're caregiving becomes your dependent, not your partner. Exactly. And so no. we have to allow help in. You can't just do it all by yourself. And I want you to, to tune into something. Listen to the smiles in all three of our voices. When we're talking about those fun little things like going out and seeing your trash cans were brought back up, it, <laughs> it took the neighbor two minutes, five minutes to do that. And we're still talking about yeah, it. That's right. right. <laughs> so right. There's, there's wonderful little things that you can do that bring a smile to someone's face. And I tell you, what most of us needed was to know we weren't forgotten, right. that we were still loved, that we were important enough not to be set aside. That a boat had arrived on the island. Yes, exactly. <laughs> With supplies. Yeah. Right. It's really important. It's right. we, it, we really appreciate all or anything. We appreciate the smallest things. We, we appreciate knowing that you still think of our family. Yeah. 
Exactly. Now, when we're, we're going to take a break in about a minute now, but and when we come back, I thought the section that we should talk about next is how us being caregivers to a terminally ill parent, we've got a terminally ill dad and a caregiver mom, how did that affect our children? Lily, you had two kids still at home. I have two grown kids and a granddaughter that was living with us for part of that time with her mom. Mm-hmm. Um, Connie lost a daughter right as she married Dana mm-hmm. um, and her son and two grandkids and a daughter-in-law. I, everybody's got family. And so what we want to do is talk about how the caregiver role can take us away from the other people, too. Like my youngest daughter was saying just today, she wrote a beautiful article that's going to be published about being the child of somebody with this. And she talked about how she lost her dad and her mom at times. And it's just a beautiful thing. And we need to we need to talk about that. So we're going to take a break now. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the children of the caregivers and the terminally ill person. Thanks a bunch. We'll talk to you in a minute. Purpose-driven banking. That's the vision behind the founding of Five Star Bank in 1999. Services inspired by partnership and defined by shared vision and goals. Five Star Bank, a champion of local economic development and community stewardship. Your success is their success. Now that's smart people doing good business. In a world that's both more connected and more isolated by high tech, Five Star Bank brings you a personal touch to small business banking, cash management, and online services. Five Star Bank. Consistently rated among the very best by industry associations, rating agencies, and, of course, customers and partners just like you. Your partner in success is Five Star Bank. FiveStarBank.com. Visit your local branch at 358 Hartnell and Reading. Progressive. Professional. Personal. That's Five Star Bank. Equal housing lender member FDIC. A jewel of the North State, a place we love to go and love being members. The view, the best in the North State, from the restaurants, meeting rooms, and of course, on the award-winning 18-hole golf course, Riverview Golf and Country Club. It's the place to belong. Go in and meet the friendly staff today or go to their website at riverviewgolf.net and find out about their introductory memberships. Riverview Golf and Country Club, corporate, social, tennis, fitness, and golf. Get it all. Become a member. It's affordable and fun. Riverview Golf and Country Club. Welcome back. This is Dr. Patricia Bay, and you are listening to Therapy in a Nutshell. And we are talking today with Lillian Diebel and Connie Spooner, two very dear friends of mine, who shared a caregiving journey. All three of our husbands had frontal temporal degeneration, and all three of us were caregivers for more than 10 years. So in this segment of the show, we wanted to talk about how caregiving affects the others in the family. I have two grown daughters and a granddaughter, and the granddaughter's at our house a lot. Um, and for a while, even, my daughter and her daughter lived with us. And Connie has um, a son and his wife and their two children, who she's very close to them. And Connie lost her daughter, Brenna, when she first married Dana. Brenna died of a car accident. And Lillian has two little girls that are just now growing up and leaving home, but not quite yet. <laughs> and so... What what did you see, Connie? What what is something you can share about how this affected your kids? Well, 
the stress affected me to the point to where I had a major um, affibrillation attack and was airlifted to a local hospital, and they didn't know why I survived it. And the cardiologist came in and said, you know, once he found out about Danny, he said, you need to place him in long-term care because if you don't, um, you have another one of these attacks, you're going to die, and then there will be nobody to take care of Dana. So Tyler kind of took the bull by the horns, and he called me and said, you know, Mom, we know that this disease is going to kill Dana, but we can't allow it to kill you because I can't lose him, and you and your grandkids will lose the grandmother. So, we, you know, we had to make the choice to put him in long-term care. And so they, I think the family starts to take a look at the stress on the caregiver and the concerns that, you know, we may not lose the one that we're giving the care for. We may lose the one that is caring for him. And I think statistics are high that the caregivers often have major issues of past before the one that is being cared yes, for. Yes, and they often go into health issues. You know, when you're under a lot of stress, your body's flooded with cortisol and adrenaline. Uh, you don't sleep as well. And it uh, weakens your immune system. And you can get sick. Right. And, and people say, you need to take care of yourself. That's the other thing that I was like, ah, I hear that one more time. I think I'm going to vomit. What do you do? How do you, you know, sure, I'll take care of myself when he's agitating all night long. It just doesn't work that way. But Rich used to say to me, FTD is going to kill you before it kills me. I was going under. And it, it's, you just can't help it. Right. So, Lil, how did it affect your kids and your relationship with them? Well, it was a very complicated time. Uh, as I said before, Steve didn't think he was sick for a long time, and uh, but it was clear. He, my girls, I, my girls were 17 when he died. He died three years ago, so they were they were young kids. They were elementary school and high school. Um, in 2009, I was out of the blue um, diagnosed with uterine cancer and had to have surgery and. Uh, that surgery turned, after that first one, I had, I had six more surgeries within about a three year period. And I know that they were afraid. They, they knew by then that daddy was ill. They could see that when I wasn't available, that things weren't running the same in the home. And it's frightening. They, they did a good job. They grew up fast. That's, you know, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. still not sure whether that was a good thing for them or not. They're wonderful girls. They're very responsible and and compassionate. So that's a good thing. But I think that was, goes back to my mantra that's on that coffee cup. It is what it is. Yep, so it is what it is. They had to grow up with things that you'd never wish on anybody, but it's part of their story now. I look at Al, right. Allie, my granddaughter, from the time she was six, even the earlier, Rich was pretty sick. She would actually sit, a, a six- and seven-year-old little girl would sit on the closet floor with him while he rocked and sobbed and oh. screamed, and she'd just mm-hmm. rub his bald head and say, I'm right mm-hmm. here, Papa, I'm right here. And it was beautiful. And yeah. I'd think, oh, this is terrible that this little six-year-old has to do this. Oh, well, here we go. Yeah, but right. my grandkids then- learn to go in love, and I have videos of Ashlyn mm-hmm. dancing to make Grandpa smile. And I, it does, it teaches them. Compassion. I think the other thing it does is it teaches them how to deal with somebody who's struggling and and dying to where maybe when they're older they won't walk away mm-hmm. like some of the, fa- the oh, family. Exactly. Did. And for for yes, Allie who lost her papa, who you know the sun rose and set in him for her. Mm-hmm. 
her seeing him in this tremendous emotional pain because he rode a roller coaster 20 times a day, cycling in and out of severe agitation, depression, rage, screaming, rocking on the closet floor like his fingernails were getting pulled out. And she saw this. So when it, when he did die, she was able to say, I'm so glad Papa's not in pain anymore. At peace. Wow. Yeah. And can you imagine if she'd never seen that? Yeah. Like the, like the family members that disappear that didn't know right. how horrid they were at the end? Right. Yeah. So my girls, took, my, my girls took care of their dad. They did. They they waited on him. They helped him. They sang for him. He was a musician. They they spent a lot of time with him. They spent probably much more time with him than they would have had he been out uh, working and and uh, so forth. So certainly that was a very good thing that they had that time with him. Yeah, you know the, the gifts come in weird places, don't they? Uh huh. Yeah. Yes, they do. Yeah, and things that you wouldn't think of as would be a gift. You wouldn't wish it on anybody, no. but you can find this golden lining, you know, in, in some of the little things that happen. It's true. I think it prepares them better for life. They're, the reality of how life is is yeah. ingrained in them now. They definitely grow up faster, like they Lil, do. Lil said just a minute ago. So with my girls, my um, my two adult children, they were adults when Rich died, and it was hard on them because their dad, Rich was always the funny guy in the family. I think I was the more serious mm-hmm. one sometimes, but I got more serious the sicker he got. Sure. Like, Didn't we all? I'll share with you a really profound <laughs> thing. After he died and I, I started to find some life again, it took a while because I think we we're when they died, we were all just exhausted. But. People said to me, it's so good to see you smile again. And I didn't realize how much I hadn't been smiling or laughing for years. I just lost it. Nothing was funny I, to I me. Hate Nothing. In I, fact, I hate that. People, that, that joke, here. people joking around, and I think, that's not funny. I, know. I lost my total sense of humor. Did you too, mm-hmm. Lil? Yes, I, I hated that. I mean, Steve was one of the funniest men I've, I've ever known. He was very funny, and we, we spent... Uh, many hours in our lives laughing and telling jokes and puns, and the 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 longer uh, the harder the caregiving got, the the less happy I was. I mean, it not I just felt so much pressure. I I didn't like the way I was feeling. I didn't like that I wasn't laughing, and I didn't like that my children were seeing that. We didn't and have that, time that, for it anymore. Is, mm-hmm. It used to drive me like nuts when people said, "Have a good day." I wanted to. Yeah, I wish I could. I had trouble going. We have this cute little coffee kiosk here called um, Dutch Brothers, and the the kids in there are like, "Hey, how you doing? You having a good day? What do you have planned for yeah. today?" And I wanted to say, "Taking care of my brain disease husband," because it was. I didn't. I didn't want to engage, but I'd bite my tongue. Yeah. There was there was one time in the cell phone store that the girls going, "Have any great plans for the weekend?" And I said, "No, no. Oh, come on. You have to be doing something fun." And I said, "No, no, no. Oh, come on. You don't you ever do anything fun?" No, my husband has a terminal brain disease, and it's mm-hmm. actually really pretty painful in my house. And she kind of went, oh, yeah. um, okay. And then you told her to have a good day, and you left. <laughs> I did. Yeah, you have a good weekend yeah. for both of us, sweetie pie, because I'm going home now to my husband, who's probably going to be raging when I walk yeah, in the door. Right. <laughs> so oh, so it, you, you not only lose your sense of humor. There's you become no, very cynical. Very, very cynical, yes. Right. But, you know, listen to the three of us right now. We are all sitting here laughing. I'm looking Mm -hmm. across the table at Connie, and her eyes are sparkling. Her (laughs) smile is beautiful, and you can just feel Lil's smile. And Lillian is a musician. She's a singer. She met Steve. They played music together. So, you know, we are all 
coming back to life, getting happy. Connie's been to a couple of amazing trips to Jerusalem. I went to Ireland. I mean, we're, we're doing some amazing things. Lila's still trying mm-hmm. to launch her girls and, <laughs> and deal with yes. a knee issue. Yes. And, but One daughter turns 21 tomorrow. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So that is awesome. <laughs> you, you're going to tell her happy birthday from us. You know, I will. Is there anything we're missing? We've got about three minutes left. And is there anything oh. we're missing that either one of you really wanted to say so that caregivers out there keep their chin up, it's keep hard. digging deep, and keep going forward? I, you know, I don't know if this is appropriate. But for me, I learned that I was in control of nothing and God was in control of everything. Yeah. I mean, exactly. I, I learned that he was there to provide everything that I needed when I needed it. And when I thought I had it in control, he had another plan that was much, much better. And without my faith, I just, I don't know how I would have survived it. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I totally agree with Connie. Yeah, it's, um, and we, you've, got to, you've got to lean on whatever spiritual foundation you've got mm-hmm. and, and bring that closer to you. And it, boy, it gives you strength. It does. It did me. You have to have a support group around you, and we talked about people leaving, but I will. I want to say my church family supported us in so many ways. So you've got to allow people to help you, and you you've got to look. Don't don't become a total recluse. Try to keep mm-hmm. people around you that will will give you some happiness. Yeah, let them in. It, let them help. Yes. And and now it's, you've got some training on what to do when they say, right. "What can I do?" Right. And friends. <laughs> It's amazing, you know, you, you would expect family to be your big support. And I'm like you, Lil. I found that church family and then, um, you know, friends. Um, yeah. I have a girlfriend that actually came and stayed with Dana all week so I could go ahead and work so we could avoid bankruptcy. I mean, those are the kinds yeah. of things that that are just priceless. You yeah. can't put a dollar amount on them. And most caregivers do go through some tremendous financial stress. It's, it's, it can take you down. In fact, Rich used to say, FTD is going to kill you and make us go broke before I ever die. And it was, he, because he kept his reasoning. He just didn't have any emotional control. His behavioral variant mm-hmm. symptoms were that he was all over the board emotionally, but he was physically mm-hmm. healthy. And he, Dana was different. Yeah, Dana was going downhill physically. And he was spending money left and, left and right and no reasoning, so... Yeah, FTD is an interesting disease, and we're, we'll do more talking about FTD at some point. But it's if you want to know more about the disease FTD, you can go to theaftd.org, or you can go to my website, patriciabay.com, and there's uh, videos about Rich. Um, there's a video on YouTube that says Richard Bay dies of BVFTD. It's, you know that thing is up to like 23,000 hits now? Because Good. it really explains what FTD is like. Yeah. So we're, we didn't. We could probably sit here and talk for five hours and give you guys tons of advice. So we may do a follow-up. If we get a lot of feedback from this show that you want more, the three of us will get on again and, and do what we can yeah. to help those. So I want to take this moment to thank these two incredibly special women in my life that I don't think I would be, and I'm, I'm not just saying this, like throwing it out there, I don't think I'd be alive today if you two hadn't helped me through some really, really dark Ditto. moments. Ditto. So I love you I both. I totally agree. I totally agree. And the silver lining, Patty and Connie, you are you have been my silver lining in this, and, and many of the other women too. But you two particularly have. We, I think we saved each other. We did. We did. <laughs> we did. I think we did. We did. So I want to thank you thank both God. for taking this time to be with me for us, the three of us to try and help everybody. Because in my show, therapy in a nutshell. I try to heal the world 
one hour at a time. So thank you, Connie Spooner and Lillian Deevil. I love you both so much. Thank you, Patty. Love you, too. Thank you, I love you, too. Thank you. The news from Town Hall is brought to you on KCNR Shasta Reading by Shasta Regional Medical Center. Your life, 